Last week we looked at the life of Joseph in the account of the coming of the birth of Jesus Christ and the purpose of the birth of Christ in Matthew chapter 1, specifically Matthew chapter 1. This morning uh, we're going to go over to Luke, breeze through chapter 1, and then really focus more on chapter 2 about the account of the birth of Christ. I got to thinking about when uh, the way that God arranged salvation, the way that he arranged for his son to come and to be born and to be born of a virgin birth and to live a, a righteous and holy life and to sacrifice his life upon the cross. God didn't have to uh, have it put in print for us. In fact, he didn't have to show it to all these different individuals that witnessed the birth of Christ. Uh, he didn't have to inspire them by the Holy Spirit to create the account and the story that we have. But he did it for our benefit. He did it for you and I. He didn't have to do it for himself. But all of the accounts that are given about Jesus Christ are to encourage us are to increase our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are to prove to us that Jesus Christ by these witnesses were actually that he was actually born that he actually was born of a virgin birth and that he lived a righteous life so as we look at the accounts as we look at the testimonies that are given which were inspired by the Holy Spirit. As we look at those, we can look at them and realize that God delivered this message to us for our good and for his glory. So let's look at, we saw the account of Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. And now let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke is, uh, Luke is uh, a physician, but also a minister of the gospel. I remember when uh, what, some of the greatest blessings that I've had in pastoring a church was to be able to go to the hospital when folks would call and say, we've got a new little boy or a new little girl. Now, I remember going to the hospital when uh, Luke was born and Sister Carla was there. And with a lot of other family members. And I said, maybe he'll be a physician. And Carla said, maybe he'll be a preacher. So a lot of pressure on Luke, but uh, that's how Carla's mindset was. Maybe he'll be a preacher. Well, Luke was a great messenger of God's grace. And told a great story. And he starts out and he says, For as much as have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. There's not anything new that I'm presenting to you this morning that you've not heard before and that you have a belief in. It resonates with what's inside of you. It resonates with the story that you've been told before. 
And so Luke is saying, we're going to put this in print, the things that are believed among us. He says, even as they were delivered unto us from the beginning. And he said, and there were some eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. And he said, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theopolis, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So Luke is telling us right here that his account is to help us in knowing the certainty of the things of Christ, the things that have taken place in the life of Jesus Christ. Now, we're just going to breeze through chapter one. It's exciting to see the working of the Holy Spirit. It's exciting to see the messages that the angel Gabriel delivers. It's exciting to see how that uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were well stricken in age. Uh, it doesn't say how old that is, but I know it's I know based on John Gill that it's past 60 years of age and maybe much further than that, that they were well stricken in age and well past the age of childbearing years. And yet God, through a miraculous event, blessed uh, Elizabeth to be with child. And the child that Elizabeth was with is named John. And as Mary and Elizabeth, who were cousins, were talking about these miraculous events that are taking place, we're taught in the, the second, uh, the, the, the first chapter, verse 37, things that would seemingly be impossible by normal standards is declared that with God, nothing is impossible. And so that should be a real good reminder for us. If we, if, we, if we fail to get much more out of this chapter 1 and chapter 2, we can go back to the, the thought and the promise and the truth right here. That with, with God, nothing's impossible. It wasn't impossible for this aged couple to be found with child. Because it was a supernatural event. It was a blessing from God and they gave God the glory and gave God the credit for it. And then as the, uh, as the angel delivers the message to the, the young woman, Mary, who had, uh, who was espoused unto Joseph, but was, had not been with Joseph. It says that she should conceive. She said, how is this thing that I could possibly conceive of a child having not been with a man? And it comes down and it says, uh, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. Here, the message is delivered to Mary by the angel with men. These things are impossible when we look at them from the standpoint of our basis or our abilities or our powers or even our own experience, we see that these things are impossible. But when we look at God, we realize that it's not impossible with God. There may be some things in your life that you're considering right now 
There may be some struggles or some difficulties or some trials that you might be experiencing right now. And you might be basing the outcome upon your own ability or the abilities of others. Or you might be basing the outcome on your own experience. But he says right here that with God, there's not anything that's impossible. We should remember that based on our uh, abilities and our powers, they are very, very limited. But God's is God is all powerful. And with God, there's not anything that's impossible. That's the, the truth that's been brought here in this chapter. And it's referring to the birth of, of John and then the birth of Jesus Christ. And it continues on the theme throughout the scriptures with God, nothing shall be impossible. Another verse is anything too hard for the Lord. Not anything at all is too hard for God. Now it comes on down and it tells us that while Mary was delivering the message of the Christ child to Elizabeth, it says that the babe, John, who was about six months along in his mother's womb, it says that John rejoiced. He leapt with joy while in his mother's womb at the salutation of Jesus Christ. It says it twice here in chapter 1. It says, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Mary knew that it was a blessing from God. And Mary turned and gave God the glory and God the praise. It's interesting. In several accounts, in different experiences that Mary encountered, oftentimes by others and what others would say, it says that she pondered those things in her heart. She thought about them. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. And then Mary states her condition. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done great to me great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is upon them that fear him from generation to generation. And he hath showed strength with his arm and hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months. And it comes on down through the end of the chapter. And it talks about the life and the birth of John. And how that John was chosen by God to be a forerunner of the Christ child. He said, a lot of lives are going to be touched by John. A lot of hearts are going to be changed by John. 
It talks about in the, the latter part of the chapter, the way that God is going to use John in a mighty way. Now let's come to the birth of Christ in chapter 2. As we mentioned last week, we do not know exactly when Jesus Christ was born. But the fact is, we know that he was born. Everybody here rejoices in the principle, the fact that Jesus Christ was born. The events that are going to take place around the birth of Christ are inspired by the blessing of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. And angels were used to deliver the message and to praise God even at his birth, even the host of angels. So let's look at chapter 2. We'll go through it and look at the birth of Christ. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. It's my understanding this was not, they were not going to pay the tax, but they were going to be registered to uh, be taxed at a future time. And this taxing was first made when uh, Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And that's the reason that Mary and that Mary went along with Joseph uh, at this time. And it says that, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. It just simply means that Mary was just about to deliver her child as they made this journey. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, that she the full term of the pregnancy was at hand and the child was ready to be delivered. And it says that she brought forth her firstborn son and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger. It's my understanding that a manger is like a feeding trough for the animals that are to be fed. And it says that there was no room for them in the inn. I expect that they probably were of meager means and they didn't have family around. Very likely, if there had been family around, they could have, uh, they could have gone to some of their, their, their family or friends' home. But it says that there was not any room in the inn for them. The reason there weren't, wasn't any room, all of these folks were going there at this time to be registered for the tax that was going to be placed upon them. And it says that, lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were, I missed verse 8, I'm sorry. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now it's interesting to see that, that uh, 
the angel delivered this message. And then a host of angels came and they were praising God in the midst of these shepherds. And as I thought about it, God didn't have to reveal that to us. But God reveals it to us in his word, in the inspired word, so that we can be encouraged by the experience that the shepherds had. The reason that the message is there is for our benefit and for the glory of God. And it says that the the shepherds were in the field and it says the angel uh, of the Lord came and, and was upon them and the glory of God shone round about them. And it says they were afraid. They, they hadn't experienced anything like this before. Very likely this was a first time experience. And oftentimes when we uh, have an experience that we've not had before, oftentimes uh, fear is part of it or we're afraid. And so it says that the angel said to them, and, and I, this is mentioned in several cases, that when a message is to be delivered, it's, with, with, it's so profound and it's so different and it's so out of the norm that one of the first things that's delivered in the message is that it's not a message that you should fear. It's not something that you should be afraid about. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings and of great joy, which shall be to all the people. Did you know that that I'm thankful that at least one aspect, if not a large aspect, if not the major aspect of the gospel message is that it's good tidings. I like to hear good tidings. I like to deliver good tidings. And here it says that the angel of the Lord came And he said, I'm bringing some good news to you. I'm bringing some good tidings to you. And these good tidings are going to bring you great joy. And the message of Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ, it shouldn't bring fear in your eyes. If you're a child of the king, if your heart's been touched, if it's been tendered by God, it ought to bring great joy to you. Every time you hear about Jesus Christ, Every time you hear about the birth of Christ, the miraculous event of Christ, it ought to bring great joy to you. Here the angel says, don't be afraid. Said, I'm bringing good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is the Christ Christ the Lord. And he says, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So these shepherds were going to seek out the birth of Christ, the little baby, and the information is given to them. You go and you seek out the babe that's wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So that sort of narrowed down a whole lot of where they were going to go looking for the Christ child. They were not looking for them in an inn. They were not looking for him to come in great splendor. 
but in a lowly fashion. And it says, and suddenly, and now just imagine what this must have been like. I mean, I, I, I'm very limited in my ability to imagine this, but what little bit of, of understanding I have, I rejoice in it. It says, and for these, these, uh, these ones that were there, he says, and suddenly there was a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, can you imagine what that must have been like when the angels in whatever fashion, whatever arrangement, however they came, they came in such a fashion that they were praising God. Do you know that's probably a little glimpse of what heaven's going to be like? We're going to be busy in heaven. But we're going to be busy praising God. We're going to be busy witnessing the angels praising God. God's going to receive all glory and all honor and all praise. And this is just a little forefront of what we're going to experience when we get to heaven. And, and, and in addition to them bringing this message of praise, I'm encouraged by what they say. It says the heavenly host came praising God and they, and they said something. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Did you know that that you just can't go wrong spending time praising God? A lot of things that we may do that we don't know whether we should or not. But there's one thing that we always can do if we're blessed with the spirit of God is to simply praise God. We may not understand everything. We may not have everything figured out. But we do know this. That any praise that we can give goes to God. And he deserves all praise. It says that the angels came. They brought this great message. They were praising God. This heavenly host. This great army. This great multitude of angels. I, I, I would... I would I would like to have seen it. I'd like to have heard it. I'd like to have. I mean, your singing was so good this morning that I really the thought went through my mind. I thought, you know what? If I don't have any preaching liberty, we're just going to start singing again because the singing was great this morning. Well, as wonderful as our singing was this morning, I tell you, in heaven, it was even better than that. It was. Well, these shepherds. These shepherds had an experience right here that it was enough to send them on their journey. And it was enough to keep them going along the way. And sometimes God gives us some experiences in our life that we know without a doubt that the Lord was working in our life in such a profound way that it also encourages us the rest of our journey. That's exactly what was happening right here. 
It says, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem, let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now, I'll tell you what, after they had the experience that they had right there, I, I don't believe there was any doubt in their mind that there was something special that had occurred and that they were given a message to go and to do something. And they did it and they didn't hinder along the way. And he says that they wanted to see this thing that had come to pass that the Lord had revealed to them. And he says they came with haste. Do you know that that's another really good thing for us right there. When the Lord convicts us of something, when the Lord bids us to do something, it's a really good idea to follow in line with some of these folks that have gone before. And when the Lord bids us to do something, we ought to do it in haste. We ought to do it in haste. And I'll tell you one reason why. If we hinder along the way, if we get off the direct path, it's amazing how that Satan will use that downtime to give us some doubts along the way. But those that are in this story right here, when the Lord bid them to do something, they did it in haste. And we ought to be the same way about it. We ought to. It says that uh, they came and they found Mary and Joseph and they found the babe lying in the manger, manger. And when they had seen it, when they saw the babe. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They begin to they begin to talk to Mary and Joseph and they begin to tell the experience that they had had. And no doubt Mary and Joseph begin to tell their experience. And it says all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told told them by the shepherds. And again, it says this about Mary. But Mary kept those things in kept those things and Mary pondered those things in her heart. Mary's plugging those things away in her heart as the shepherds are telling this account and this story. And he says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So they went back and they were rejoicing in the Lord. Do you know that Every time we come together to worship the Lord, if we come to worship the Lord, we're taught that where two or three are gathered together in my name, the Lord says he's promised to be there. We may sometimes find ourselves sitting on the pew and we think, well, I don't think that the Lord was there today. Well, he might not have been there for you, but he may have been there for those that were around because he's promised that if there's two or three that are gathered together in my name, that the Lord himself is going to be there and be present. Now I've actually, I can, I'm, I can confess my experience. I remember early days growing up that there were times that I was at church and, and, and maybe I didn't get a whole lot out of it. And the person sitting right next to me got a whole lot out of it. And I realized that it wasn't the Lord's fault. It was my fault. But if we come to the house of the Lord and we come to offer praise and we come to serve the Lord 
and honor the Lord, the Lord's promise to be with us. And if we desire to praise God, he'll be with us and we'll experience the same thing that that these shepherds did right here. It says that when they went away, they went away rejoicing and glorifying God. Every, every time that Jesus Christ meets with us in our worship to him and we leave and go on our way, we go on our way rejoicing in the Lord. When you're when you've been with the Lord. It says the shepherds returned. They were glorifying and praising God for the things that they'd heard, that they that they'd seen and even the things that were told unto them. So the Lord has arranged it to where there were witnesses and we had these accounts. We're encouraged when we hear the account of Mary and of Joseph. We're encouraged when we hear that Christ was born of a virgin birth. We're encouraged and and, 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 and even excited when we can recognize that God in a miraculous way blessed these, these shepherds to know about the birth of Christ and to go and witness the birth of Jesus Christ. And we'll go down and look at two more that the Holy Spirit bid as well a message of Christ. It says, and behold, in Jerusalem, verse 25 it says there was a man named Simeon and the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now, it also said that uh, uh, Zacharias was a just man. And it also says about Zacharias that Zacharias was a just man before God. So it's one thing to be a just man before others. And it's another thing to be a just man before God. And here it says about uh, Simeon that Simeon was a just man and he was a devout man. So and the Holy Spirit had given Simeon a message. And it says the same man was just and devout and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now, I think that's a real blessing that he just puts that in there. That the Holy Ghost was was upon this man. The Holy Ghost inspired this man. It says, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost still today impresses and speaks to his people, to God's people. He may not do it in audible words, but he can do it with impressions. He can do it through experiences. He can do it through uh, uh, feelings along the way. The Holy Ghost can convict. The Holy Ghost can inspire. The Holy Ghost can encourage the Holy Ghost can comfort. The Holy Ghost is what God has left us here in the absence of Jesus Christ being present with us in a bodily fashion. And he refers to the Holy Ghost in John chapter 14 as the comforter. So 
since you're a child of God, one of the great blessings and benefits that you experience in being a child of God is that you have the blessing of the Holy Ghost in your life. So it says that um, uh, Simeon was inspired. The message was delivered to him by the Holy Ghost. And it says that it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he has seen the Lord's Christ. So we're just about to witness another uh, individual that is an eyewitness to the birth of Jesus Christ. The message was delivered to Simeon. Basically, the message is, Simeon, in your lifetime, you're going to witness the birth of the Christ child, the birth of the Son of God. You're going to witness. You're going to be able to lay your eyes upon the Christ child. And he says that and, 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 and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is so effective. The Holy Spirit was so effective in his life that that he believed it. And he was convicted by it and he was looking for it. And did you know that the Holy Spirit has touched us in such a way that we ought to be looking for the return of the Christ child as well? He says right here, he said, you're not going to see death. Until you've seen the Christ child. So he came by the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to him after the custom of the law, it says he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. All of a sudden, what Simeon had been looking forward to and longing for, he realized by the Spirit of God that this is the Christ child. And he said, you know what? There's not really anything else around here that's keeping me here on this earth. I'm ready to go on and be with the Lord. I've seen the Christ child. I expect we'd be probably just about like Simeon if we saw the Christ child. He said, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And it says, and Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which were spoken of him, of Christ. Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. He says, yea, a sword shall pierce through his own soul also that that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then it talks about one more individual that witnesses that had been longing for, that had been serving God and witnessed the birth of the Christ child. 
we saw Simeon, the Holy Spirit said, you're, you're not going to face death until you've seen the Christ child. And then this next one is a little lady. Her name was Anna. And it says that she was of great age. If you add it up, she was over 100 years old, maybe 103, 104, maybe older than that, but over 100 years old. And it says that even in her old age, that she served God with fasting and prayer. She went, she departed not from the temple, but she served God in fasting and prayers night and day. Do you know that one of the great, great blessings about the Lord's church, one of the great blessings is the way that he set it up. There is in the role of the church, the different roles of the church, there's a place for every single person to fill a vital role. There's a place in the church for these little infants. My goodness, doesn't it encourage you to see these little infants? Doesn't it encourage you to hear these little infants? It's a great blessing. Be terrible if we didn't have some little infants along the way. There's a place in the church for these little ones, the young children. My goodness, the zeal that they have, the energy that they have. What a great blessing to see how that God has touched their life and how that they have a love for the Lord. Does that not encourage you along the way to see the the little ones and how that God blesses the little ones? There's a place in the church, the way that God has arranged it for young families. What a great blessing for parents to bring their children and raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord to be able to witness that. There's a great blessing in the church when you get a little bit older and you become grandparents along the way. Brother Zach was telling about his uh, grandchildren. He's always talking about his grandchildren. He has about 34, 35, 36 grandkids, a whole bunch of grandkids. But when you have 11 kids, that's just sort of what happens. You have a whole bunch of grandkids, generally speaking. In fact, I asked him, I said, Brother Zach, I said, uh, do you all ever celebrate uh, birthdays for your grandkids? He said, my goodness, what do you mean? He said, I'm about to become a diabetic. We celebrate so many birthdays all the time. Well, there's a great blessing in the church for grandparents. There really is. I'm personally very, very thankful for my grandparents. My grandparents were my connection to the primitive Baptist and to the doctrine of grace. And I'll always be thankful for godly grandparents. But did you know that even in the church of Jesus Christ, there's a place for every age group within the church. But there's also a place when you reach old age. Anna was old. She was past 100 years old. She was at least Sister Perry's age. Now, when Sister Perry comes to church, doesn't that encourage you? I mean, she at least has 103 reasons why not to come or more. 
but it doesn't affect her. If she's at all able, she's at church. Anna was over 100 years old. And no doubt, every time they saw her come into the temple to serve God, Anna was an encouragement to those that witnessed her. There's a role for every age group in the church of Jesus Christ. I love the mix. I love the little kids. And I love the old people. And you can go over to Zechariah chapter 8 and it talks about the streets of Jerusalem. It describes the church. And it says in the, in the assembly, it says you've got old men and old women who are leaning on their staff for very age. And it says that you've also got little kids that are playing around. Now, it says in the streets, we don't encourage that here on Route 22, but, um, but the concept, they're, they're playing together. And you've got the parents in between. What a great picture of the church of Jesus Christ. There is a role and there's a place for you to serve as long as you live. Anna was serving God faithfully even into her old age. And it says she served God with fasting and prayers. And it says that she came in. In that instance, she came in. And she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. And spake unto him. And spake of him to all them. That looked on. That looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna. By the Holy Spirit recognized that it was the Christ child. No doubt she had been looking for something. And even in her old age, she remained faithful, serving God. And God gave her a blessing. Now, I've heard it. I've heard it said sometimes. I've heard this. I've heard folks say this sometimes. When maybe somebody missed church and, 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 and there was a, a, a tremendous blessing that happened or occurred. And somebody said, well, that, that always happens when I'm not there. Well, do you know what? If Anna hadn't have been there, she'd have missed a great blessing. She would have missed a wonderful blessing if she hadn't been there. Anna was setting a wonderful example in serving God into her old age, even past 100 years of age. And Anna received... The greatest blessing of all. She was able to lay her eyes on the Christ child. It's a miraculous event that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin birth. It's a miraculous event and it surely was motivated by the love that the Father has for you and I. The way that He arranged such a miraculous event to occur. But not only did the miraculous event occur, the event of all time, but God, through His foreknowledge and desiring to arrange it this way, inspired the authors to pin it down So that you and I 
can look at the experiences of these individuals that were blessed by the Holy Spirit. You've been blessed by the Holy Spirit. If you weren't blessed by the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't even be here this morning. There's about a thousand other places that you could be that you'd rather be than in the house of the Lord. But you can look on the experiences of these individuals that have been blessed by the Holy Spirit and it will encourage you. And you can rejoice in knowing that these folks witnessed and experienced the birth of the Christ child. As a result, we have a hope that this world, that there's something better. If we didn't believe in the birth of Jesus Christ, we wouldn't have much assurance of our life after Lord may not be through with us. He can inspire us at the last minute of our life whenever he chooses to do that. He's sovereign in that. But I tell you what, I get a whole lot of encouragement and assurance to know that Jesus Christ came and that he was born and he lived a sinless life and he paid the sacrifice in full. And I have a blessing. That'd be a blessing just to experience eternal life is going to be a blessing. But it's also a great, great blessing to know it. That's why he put these experiences there for us to witness and to know that, yes, Jesus Christ is born. We don't just celebrate him this time of the year. We especially celebrate him this time of the year. But we celebrate the birth of Christ all throughout the year. May God bless you. glad you've been able to listen to this special podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 10.30 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you.